Well, as we're in a really giving mood, um, I want to give some things away. Is that okay? Good, because I'm going to do it anyway. Right. (laughs) I have the microphone. Um, As she says, this is the best book I've ever written, because it's the only book I've ever written. Okay. But um, I told you a little bit of my testimony, and there's many other testimonies in this book as well. This is called Miracles and Healings uh, Made Easy. You know, the miraculous is easy for Jesus, right? That's where we live. Amen. And it's part of the normal Christian life to have the power of God flowing through us. In Romans 1, 16, 17, it says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe it. The power of God unto salvation. It is normal for the power of God to be present, evident, and flowing through us in every area of our life. Absolutely every area. And that word salvation, that's just not to, just that's not just limited to your born again experience. The word salvation in the original text, in the in the in, in the original language that it was that it was written in, it talks about healing. It talks about deliverance. It talks about forgiveness. It talks about prosperity. It's not just talking about your ticket to heaven, right? When you receive Jesus on the inside of you, you receive the whole package with benefits. Amen? Right? You received all of the healing power of God on the inside of you in your spirit, man. The healer now resides on the inside of you. Whenever you walk around, you take the healing power of God with you into every situation. Amen? That's more than enough power to heal any ailment that might come against you. That's more than enough power to to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out any demon here. More than enough. You have the healer on the inside of you. It also says that that it talks about there's the power of God unto salvation, unto prosperity. God wants us to walk in abundance for everyone who believe it. Amen? It's, It's unto forgiveness. God has forgiven all of your sins, past, present, future, all the ones that you haven't even committed yet, he's already paid for. And if you don't believe that, well, you know, you try sinning and see if Jesus comes down and dies on the cross again. He's not going to do it, right? Because once was enough. Amen? So when we sin, he knows we're going to mess up. And you know what? The lights in heaven don't dim when you mess up. He didn't get scared thinking, oh, no, they've done it again, right? He knew you were going to mess up before you messed up, and he paid for that one too. Amen. He's already forgiven you for any sin you haven't even yet committed. That's good news, right? That's how it comes. It says we can walk boldly to the throne of grace. Because when we walk into the throne room, we're like striding on in. Like, that's right. I got the attitude of the kingdom. My sins are forgiven of me. Amen. I walk in in my royal robes. When God sees me, he sees Jesus. He sees me perfect and righteous and holy. You aren't going to get any more holy than you are right now. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? You are the carrier of the King's glory. Man, some of you need to get excited about that. Say to your neighbor, you're the carrier of the King of glory. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? In the scriptures it says you are holy. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. You have the mind of Christ. You are blessed with every blessing in spiritual places. You are above the circumstances and not beneath them. Amen. You are the heel of the Lord and everything you touch prospers. This is good news, right? Man, some of it, man, I didn't even get right. You see, I get distracted. I get to preaching. It's over at that point. Anyway, who needs healing? I'm going to give that to Cheapo to give to someone. Go on, you can have that. Josh, you going to run for me? Okay, perfect. Okay, you can, you can come. This isn't, isn't he cute? Look, see. Uh, we've got these cards out there. I feel like a dealer. Look, this is terrible. 
But um, these are little download cards, and the beauty about this is you can download every one of these. Um, you can go to our website, and there's a code on the back, and you just uh, you just scratch off the the, uh, the little strip. There's a unique code, and you go there on our website, Terry Des Ministries, and you you plug in the the code there, and it zeroes out the price because you can already pay for it here in South African prices, which are much better than American prices. Trust me, like five times better than American prices. But um, you go in there and you download it, and it's an MP3. And on on these um, cards, you can download. There's hours of teaching on one little card, okay? And so you download it, you get the teaching for yourself, and you know what? You can keep downloading it. So you can hand it over to a friend, to an enemy, to whoever might need it, right? And um, they can download it, and then they can keep part, they keep passing it. It's like a it's like a gift card, right? You just keep keep handing it on. So this one's called Dressed for Success. This is based in Ephesians chapter 6. This is about the armor of God. I want you to give this to somebody that needs to see some victory in their life. Somebody that needs to win, right? Awesome. This one's called Healed and Whole. You know, there's a difference between being healed and being whole. Jesus wants you to be whole. Whole in every sense of the word. Complete, nothing missing, nothing broken. So if you need healing in your body, in your mind, there is 15 lessons on that one. This one is called, Who Do You Think You Are? I know, he gets to be the mean one, right? There's more out there if you want to go get them afterwards, okay? This one's called, Who Do You Think You Are? I say this to my husband sometimes. Who do you think you are? No. Who do you think you are? This is talking about our identity, okay? So we've been talking some of this, but we need to get a revelation of who we are in Christ. When, and I'm going to teach more on this, but when we understand who we are in Christ, out of identity comes authority, right? When we're established in who we are, we'll start to walk in the authority of what God's given us. When we start to walk in the authority of what God's given us, we'll see the favor of God go before us and overtake us. We'll start to have the attitude of faith and favor, the attitude of the kingdom. Amen? So I'm going to give that to somebody that has an identity crisis. (laughs) Somebody doesn't want to own up to that one. This one is called the keys to living happy. Some of us need to, to let our faces know that we have Jesus on the inside of us. Okay? (laughs) <laughs> this is a study through the book of Philippians. So it goes through many different things, but it covers different topics according to the different verses in Philippians. It covers things like overcoming fear, walking in the confidence that Christ has put on the inside of you. I mean, overcoming fear, walking in forgiveness. And this is huge, ladies. Okay, I've seen people completely, lives completely transformed. Accessing the power and the provision of God. All, all those things are in there. The keys to living happy. Some, give that to someone who needs to get happy. All right. This one is called Manifesting Miracles. This is, one of, this is my newest teaching. There is uh, 10 parts on this one. You have a say in what you see. You have a say in what you see, okay? You want to see miracles manifest in your life? Piece of cake for Jesus, but you have to participate in that. Amen? So I'm going to give that to, to Josh to hand someone who needs a miracle. Thank you very much, Joshua. Is the microphone's not working? It was working. I can hear myself. All right. Can I take this one off? All right. Hang on a second. You hold this one. We're just going to get undressed here. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. Yeah. It's working. Do you want to take it right off? Yeah. It's actually become one with me now. No, it's, it's, you can unplug it. Okay. Wow, this is getting intimate in front of everyone. It's all right. He's my husband. He's smiling back there. I don't know. Okay. You got it? You got my hair, my head. This is the glamorous life of a minister. Look at that. Woo. Not now, darling. Okay. You know, um, I just want to. I just want to pray before I start because I feel like the Lord wants to do something a little bit different. Is that okay? Stand up for me for a minute. 
If you have a prayer language, let's just use it. Kiena basina basina ba kiena basina ba kuriana miyantanta. Shiana na kiena basina ba suriana miyabasina ba kiena basina basiam. Yes, Lord. Kiena basina basina ba kuriana miyantanta isna basina. The Lord is showing me something. He's showing me that there are ladies in here that you are struggling to receive your identity from him because your identity is so broken. There is a brokenness in your soul. There are things that you have been through. There, is, there, are, there are people that have hurt you. There is a place in your heart that you've just learned to cope. You've just learned to stick a cover over it, a plaster, or a band-aid over it, a bandage on it to just suck it up and move on. But there is a part inside of you that is still very, very broken. And even though you have a smile, you have a smile on your face and you make the best of it, there are things that have happened to you that should never have happened to anybody. And God wants to bring some emotional healing here in this moment. I want you just, while everyone's got their eyes closed, I want you to just raise your hand so I can see where you are. There is an emotional brokenness. There you are. There's more of you. You're going to have to be a little bit brave. I see you. It's most of the people in here, actually. Right now, we're just going to take authority over these things. Father, I just thank you for these women. I thank you for these women. I thank you, Lord, that you have healing for them. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you come right now and be our comforter. That you are a comforter, you are a healer. Lord, we desire to be made whole. I speak wholeness into these ladies. Lord, I thank you. And we just, we just call that past cut off right now. Not forgotten, but healed. To be healed and restored as it was created to be. I feel the Lord is saying, some of you, there are ladies, you, you like me, I've, have, I've had testimony like this. You've had your childhood stolen from you. You've had your innocence taken from you. You've had your physical body violated. But God is restoring to you what the locust has eaten away. He's restoring to you happiness. He's restoring your innocence. You are pure, but he is making you clean on the inside of your soul. And right now, I just see a picture. I see a picture of, 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 a, of a beautiful box. It's a beautiful box. And it's got bows and it's got ribbons. And he's saying, inside that box, I want you to place all of the pain, all of the hurt, all of the heartache, all of those memories that you've tried to cover up that you know are still there. I want you in your minds to place those memories inside of that box and put the lid on. And real carefully, I want you to take the ribbon and wrap around it and make it a bow. Make it pretty. It can be whatever color you want it to be in your imagination. But inside that box contains all of the filth, all of the darkness, all of the pain. For some of you, all of the witchcraft, all of the lies, the filth that people have spoken over you. Every single time you were violated, every single time you were injured, every single time that, 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 that somebody used a weapon against you that manipulated you against your will, that made you do something that you didn't want to do. Every single time those lies and those manipulations and those violations occurred, I mean, they're inside those boxes. They're inside the box. All of the darkness is inside there. 
And now you've got the lid on and it's sealed. And the Holy Spirit saying, I'm sealing that box. You understand? I'm sealing that box. He wants to remove that box. I want you to reach your hand up like you're holding that box in your hands. Reach it up in the, in the, towards the heavens and hand it over. Say, Jesus, this is yours. Jesus, this belongs to you. You take it. I'm not carrying this anymore. I'm drawing the line in the sand. I'm handing this over to you. And I want you in your mind to watch that box just float away. Float away as far as the east is from the west. Like it doesn't even exist anymore. God is saying it is not part of who you are. It is no longer part of you. It has been removed. It is, there is freedom in this place. There is freedom for you. Amen. There is healing for you. Now just open up your arms and let the healer in. Say, Jesus, I receive you. I receive your healing into my heart right now. I receive your healing into my heart right now. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you to create in us a picture of a new identity. Lord, show us what it means to be a daughter of the Most High God, to be a daughter of the King, to be free, to walk in the freedom of them from bondage that we have been living in right now. There is a light. You feel it. There is a lightness in your spirit because you have given away those chains, that bondage that has, has held you captive. But the Lord says, it was for freedom that I set you free. It was for freedom. Never again to be subject as a bond in slavery. Never again. Thank you, Lord. We believe and we receive, and we walk now in the freedom. We declare freedom over our life, amen? Freedom over our thoughts, freedom in our emotions, freedom in every area of our life. Thank you, Lord, amen? Thank you, Jesus. Have a seat. You know, sometimes the Lord will take you out of your comfort zone. He'll make you do things that you weren't really expecting. That's okay. I'm quite comfortable with that now. It's happened a few times. Amen. But I feel that's important because when we have a revelation of our identity, we have a revelation of our authority. You know, there was a man in the Bible that had the original identity crisis. We're going to look at this here in Exodus. This was Moses. Moses had an interesting um, journey. You see, God um, had spared his life. He grew up as a Hebrew, uh, as a Hebrew baby. He was born as a Hebrew baby into a Hebrew family. And this was the time when they were, the Hebrews were enslaved, captive by Egypt. And so um, they, 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 they worked um, as slaves. Their, their, their life was not their own. These were people that knew what bondage was like. Remember, these are the chosen people of God, and yet they're in bondage. Can anyone relate, right? Even though we are chosen, even though we've received Jesus as our Savior, there are still Christians that are captive in their mind. Even though we have been freed from slavery, we have not necessarily been freed from slave mentality, right? We can be free. You know, you can take the slaves out of Egypt, but can you take Egypt out of their mind? Can you take the slavery out of them? Amen? Slave mentality, we need to come against that. But the Hebrew children, they were, they were slaves. And as, um, as Moses' life was spared, his mother put him into a basket. Many of you have read the story. When he was a baby, there was an edict to kill all of the male child, all of the, all of the boys. His mother knew that he was special, knew that she loved him so much, she made a Moses basket, right? It wasn't called a Moses basket before he was put in it. Otherwise, that would be a weird coincidence, don't you think? 
oh, look, Moses. We should have a Moses basket for him. Right? So they put, they put him in a basket and they pushed him out on, on, across the river Nile. And he was um, picked up out of the water by Pharaoh's daughter. And so Moses, a Hebrew child, was raised in the house of Pharaoh as an Egyptian. So he didn't necessarily understand everything. But at some point in his life, he had, a, he had an understanding that he's a Hebrew. I mean, it was a miraculous turn of events. Actually, his sister was the one that, that helped Pharaoh. His, his elder sister was the one that helped Pharaoh to raise him. So he was instructed, you know, you're a Hebrew, but you're raised as an Egyptian. If that's ever going to mess anyone up, this kid had the right to be messed up, okay? He had an identity crisis going on. He knew that his people were the Hebrews, yet he was raised as an Egyptian. They were the Egyptians. They were the slave drivers. He was raised in a palace with all of the finery, all of the opportunity, all of the position, all of the power of an Egyptian. But he knew on the inside he was a fake, he was, a, he was a fake. He wasn't really an Egyptian. He might look like an Egyptian by the way they, they did his hair and they, they dressed him, but on the inside, that wasn't who he really was. He had an identity crisis. He knew that deep down, he was a Hebrew, and when he looked out of the, of the palace windows every day, he saw these people being afflicted. He saw his people being afflicted, but he knew from the, from the scriptures that God was going to send a deliverer, that there was going to be a plan, that this wasn't how it was always going to be, that at some point, these people that were now captive were one day going to be free. But you know what happens sometimes when we don't see the plan of God come to pass quickly enough in our life? We kind of help it out. Anyone ever done that? Come on, gay ladies, right? You know, you get a word from God and you make a whole paragraph out of it. Yeah. Did God really say, <laughs> we want to add some words, we want to fluff it up a bit. And then you realize, this isn't working. Oh, God didn't actually say that. Okay, right? We're going to back it up a little bit, right? And so, and so Moses, he got frustrated and he saw um, the Egyptian slave, slave drivers treating the Hebrews badly. And he actually, his anger, he decided he's going to help God out a little bit. He ended up murdering the Egyptian that was attacking the Hebrew. And, you know, when, he, when, when that happened, he was so disappointed, so terrified with himself, thinking, oh, my God, how, you know, how can God ever use me? How can God ever use me? I've done this horrible thing. I've, I've tried to force the hand of God. And so he fled into the backside of the desert. And he fled and he just ran away. And he, and he was hiding out there when God found him. So this man had a mixed up background. He had an identity crisis. But God doesn't give up on us just because we make a mistake. Hallelujah, right? Otherwise, most of us would be done for, right? Including me. But look, I want to. This is where this is where uh, God found him. Um, this is Exodus chapter three, and we're going to pick it up here. This is Moses and the burning bush. So Moses said, "Now he's walking along, and he suddenly starts seeing this bush burning away. Not a normal occurrence, okay? But I like what he says in verse three. The bush was not; it was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. And so in verse three, he says, so Moses said." I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Now, has anyone else ever thought, that's a really weird scripture? How many times have you been walking along? Don't worry about him. He's just helping me out. How many of you have been walking along and you see a bush or something going on? You think, I shall now turn aside and see. Isn't that weird? I mean, I just read that. I thought, well, that's just bizarre. That's not very spiritual. I just thought it was weird. But in verse 4, it says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, he's like, aha, I have your attention now. Okay, that works, doesn't it? <laughs> it works. God called to him from out the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. 
And he starts talking with Moses. Now, in those times, this is a different time period. Moses did not have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him. You understand that? When God spoke to people in the Old Testament, he spoke to them in a physical way, in a demonstration, a fire or a cloud, a demonstration, because they did not have the Spirit of God on the inside of them. The Spirit of God would come upon the prophets of old for just that period of time, and then it would leave. We have so much more today than Moses ever had. We have Jesus, the King of glory, living on the inside of us. We have a book full of promises that we can stand on. We have the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our helper, our guide with us 24-7. We have the mind of Christ. We have spiritual gifts and the armor of God. We have the authority and the name of Jesus. We have been adopted into the family of God. Amen? Man, we have a lot more. We have an inheritance that Moses never had. But when he spoke to Moses, Moses looked at him. He has the whole conference. I've got to put this down because I'm actually getting arm ache here. But he says, Whew, come on now, right? In verse 10, it says, come, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. You see, even though Moses tried to force the arm of God, he tried to, you know, he got ahead of God and messed it up, God did not give up on Moses. Moses didn't do it perfectly, but he still didn't give up on him. Look, he's still the plans of God, the purposes of God are without repentance. You understand that? God has put gifts in every one of you women, every one of you, and they aren't revoked. They aren't taken back just because you mess up. They are still there. They are still active. That's just for free. But Moses said to God, verse 11, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children out of Israel, out of Egypt? You see, Moses knew that God was God Almighty. He was God all-powerful. But he didn't understand what it meant to be called by God. He knew who God was, but he didn't know who God was in him. And there are a lot of us like that today. And this is why we have our identity mixed up. Because we relate to God as God Almighty, but we don't relate to him as Daddy God, as Father we, don't, we understand what God can do, what God has done, what God's about to do, but we don't understand who God is in us. And because we don't understand who God is in us, we can't walk in the authority and the, and the, and the, and the favor and the power of God in our everyday life. And so we find ourselves living as victims rather than living in a place of victory. We identify with being a victim rather than a victor. And this is where Moses was. And he's, you can see this in his response to God. Who am I? I'm just little me. I'm like, duh, Moses, you're being called by God Almighty. Will you just quit whining for a minute and listen, right? Good job, I'm not God. I might have just zapped him right there. So, but, my, you know, God, he was very, very patient with Moses. And in, in, unlike me, I mean, he actually mentored Moses in this passage. For the sake of time, I'm going to pick a few things out. But he didn't give up on him. He actually coached him. He put him in, in a team. Look at this in, in chapter 4. Moses is whining and complaining this whole time. He's telling him, Moses, listen, I have a plan for you. I'm going to use you to go to Pharaoh and deliver my people. You're going to lead millions of people out of captivity. You're going to see signs and wonders. This is going to be awesome. And all the time he's like, wee, I don't want to. Look in chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered. He's answering back God. Watch out, Moses. And said, but they will not believe me, nor listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord has not really appeared to you. Who gives a rip what other people think? 
When God speaks to us, God's word's the authority in our life. Amen? Who gives a rip about everybody else? That's not very polite, but there you go. It's out there now. Now you know how I really feel about this. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand, Moses? He says, a rod. He says, throw it on the ground. It turns into a snake. He says, pick it up. It turns back into a rod. He equips him. God does not give us up on us just because we make a mistake. He says, my promises, my plans, my calling on your life is still good. Amen? You cannot shipwreck it. It's still good. And more than that, I'm going to equip you to accomplish it. I'm going to equip you. In verse 10, then Moses said to, to the Lord, this is just coming up with more excuses. Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Have you ever felt like that? Oh, totally. Believe me. Right? It says, I'm, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I don't know what to say. I might be afraid. They might not believe me. But look at what God says to him. He says, the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? <laughs> Or being, or made the deaf, or the dumb, or the seeing, or the blind. Have I not? I'm the Lord. Now, therefore, go, and I will be your mouth, and I will teach you what you must say. He's mentoring. He's coaching him. He said, "Oh, my Lord, send. I pray the hand of of whomever else you will send." God's gone through all of this stuff with Moses, and Moses says, "Oh, please, can you not just send someone else?" (laughs) Pastor, did you think like that when he told you to start the church? You sure pick someone else. Right? I mean, you know, it's like, can you pick someone else? But he wouldn't, he wouldn't give up with Moses. In verse 15, it says, you shall speak to him. He gives him Aaron. And you shall, says, you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be your mouth. And with his mouth, I will teach you what you must do. Now, verse 17, you must take this rod in your hand and you, you, with it, you will perform the signs. So eventually, after Moses has had this pep talk by God Almighty, God's like, look, I've, I've, I've given you the rod of God. I've equipped you. I've given you your buddy, Aaron. I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to give you favor. I'm going with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm the one doing this. I just need you to be obedient. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring deliverance to you. I have a plan for your life, Moses. Moses still had a choice. You understand that? We have a choice to participate with the plans that God has for our life. The will of God doesn't come to pass automatically in our life. There's several times in the, in the scriptures it says that God wishes that none should perish, that all should come to repentance. But we still have a choice, don't we? we, we no one put your arm up your back or a gun to your head and forced you to get born again, did they? And if, and if they did, if you didn't say it or mean it on the inside, it wouldn't have meant anything if it was just outward obedience. You had, you know, you, we cannot get born again based on somebody else's experience. We cannot get born again based on somebody else's testimony, on somebody else believing God, on somebody else's receiving Jesus for us. We have to make it personal. God is calling you ladies today to a personal relationship with him. We cannot walk in victory in every area of our life and see the power and the presence and the purpose of God come to pass in our life based on somebody else. This has to be personal. This has to be between us and the Lord. It's called relationship. Amen? Relationship means two way, not just one way. So God didn't give up on Moses. And there was some amazing things that happened in Moses' life. We're going to look here at what happens. He goes, he goes and... Um, you know the story, there's lots of plagues that are happening and going on. 
And uh, let me just find the right scripture here. Where are we going? I don't need an iPad. I have a MyPad. My MyPad never crashes. It's always on. Look at um, 11. Uh, this is Exodus 11, the warning of the final plague. Now the Lord said to, go, to Moses, I will still bring one more plague upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt, and afterwards he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, you shall surely thrust you out of here altogether. Speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. And this is what I want you to get. When Moses understood his identity, he started walking in authority. And now look what happens. Then the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Say favor. Favor. Amen. You start to walk in your authority based on your identity, it releases favor wherever you go. Doors of opportunity start opening up to you. Things that have been difficult start to become clear. Doors start to open. People start coming into your life. Resources start coming your way. People start joining your team and asking to fit your kitchen, right? Favor, favor starts to go before you, encircle you, and overtake you. Some people are getting excited in here now. So the favor of God, God gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptian. Moreover, the man Moses was very great, say very great, in the land of Egypt and in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. What happens when you start walking in favor? Promotion. Promotion starts to happen. Not because of your amazing ability, your vast education, or your insane holiness, right? Your, your wonderful charisma, okay? Or your just natural beauty. No, it's not because of you. It's because of him. Amen. We start to get on the inside of us a picture of him. We start to get on the inside of us his plan, his purpose, his word deep down in us. When we plant the word of God in our hearts, you know, we were just saying this before. The word of God is indiscriminate. It will work for anybody. Amen. It doesn't care where you come from, what you look like, or what you, or what, 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 background you have. The Word of God will work for you when you start to work it. Amen? Praise God. Favor starts going before them. Look at Exodus 12, 35. Exodus 12, 35. This is what happens. This is the Exodus in the book of Exodus, funny enough. That's smart, huh? Name the book after what's happening so everyone will know where it is. Okay? So the, the people, people are leaving. Pharaoh has enough. He's like, get out of here. You're doing my head in. Take your people and leave, right? Verse 35. Now the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. Funny that. What happens when we do according to the word of God? Good stuff. When we live life according to the word of God, that'll preach. That'll preach, right? Live life according to the word of God. Now the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they requested of the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of, of gold and of clothing. Just get this for a minute, right? The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they gave them what they requested and they plundered the Egyptians. Can you imagine being a Hebrew, living next to the Egyptians all of your life as a slave with nothing, being beaten, being whipped, and then one day the tables turn and you just go knocking on your neighbor's door, knock, knock, Egyptian, can I have your silver and gold and fine clothes? Oh, sure. Here you are. Come on in. Have it. Take the lot. Take the family jewels. Take the plates and the goblets. And... That's favor. Amen. This is the favor of God. 
from slavery to freedom in the blink of an eye. This is the favor of God. I mean, we just need to get in, in line with what God is doing. The favor of God in our life is a result of our authority that is based in knowing our identity. When we start to understand who we are, we start acting with some attitude. Right? We start to, that's right. Come on now. And when challenges start coming against us, like, oh, really, devil? Re- is that all you've got? Is that the limit? Oh, just cancer. Is that it? That's pathetic. Try better than that, right? You, I, pe- I pity the fool that comes against me. Man, I'm packed full of the power of the Holy Ghost. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Amen? We start to get a holy attitude on the inside of us. We start to walk in authority based on who we are. And I tell you, doors of opportunity start to open for us. Now, there's something I want you to, to read here. This is, um, we're going all the way through here, look. This is in a verse, uh, chapter 14 of Exodus. They said they're crossing the Red Sea. So you can imagine Moses has seen these amazing uh, plagues, these amazing miracles. People are all rallying around him. Now he's their leader, right? So he has gone from hiding on the backside of the desert, being a murderer himself, thinking that he's washed up, that he's, he's no good, that he's made a horrible mistake, that he's just from mixed, mixed backgrounds, you know, he's a complete identity crisis, doesn't know who he is. God finds him. God plants him in a team with Aaron and, other, and, 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 he, and his helpers. He equips him. God, Moses is obedient to the calling and the plans and the purposes of God. He says, okay, God, I'm going to follow your word. He starts stepping into his anointing. You understand that? If this is important for some of you, you have not yet stepped into your anointing because you've had an identity crisis. When we start walking in our authority, we'll start stepping into our anointing. When we start operating in our anointing, things are easy. You understand? Challenges might come against us, but they can't break through the anointing. We are not as vulnerable, in a sense, as we were before because we have an anointing that's operating in our life. Look at this. Eventually, it comes to the point, though, where we have to use what we have. Because we can talk about all this for the whole of the Design Life Conference, and we can get really excited about it. But then when we leave, what's going to happen? It's what do you take from here out of these doors that matters? Amen. You can you can have a you can have, you can be able to recite the whole Bible, but unless you can understand it, it means nothing to you. It may as well be the dictionary that you keep on the shelf, right? We have to take the Word of God and give it application in our life and use what we have been given. And you know, Moses had been through this whole time, all of these miracles, rod of God, there we go, plague, rod of God, there you go, the, the, the sea turns red. There's locusts. There's there's frogs. There's, he's like, this is cool, right? This is awesome. This is what God told me to do. Then they get to the Red Sea. And, you know, sometimes when we're walking, we're actually pretty much all the time. But when we're stepping out for, for God, there are challenges. There are some giants in the land, maybe. And maybe there is a storm or two, right? Well, when they get to the Red Sea, they suddenly realize, oh, we're not alone. We have some people that are behind us. The Egyptian army decided that they wanted their gold and silver back. They weren't ready. They changed their mind. Their houses were looking a little bit empty now. Oh, no, right? They went to make dinner and the family plates were gone, okay? And mama's not happy because her necklaces have have gone as well. He's like, what do you give them to these people for, right? So they've sent their husbands out. Go get my stuff back. So there they are in their chariots and they're all coming down and they're standing there. And now Moses has a problem because he's standing at the Red Sea and he's got these millions of people with him that are looking to him like, Moses, you're the man, you're the leader. 
And then he's like, uh-oh, just when I was getting comfortable. I'm looking up on the hill. There's, there's some big bad dudes, and their dust is kicking up. From, I can see the chariots, right? I can see the dust on the, on the horizon. We're going to have to do something. But then he's like, don't worry, God's... Now he's got a little bit of confidence, right? So he says, don't worry, God's it's going, to be, it's going to be fine. So in verse 13, this is chapter 14, verse 13. But Moses says to the people, fear not, stand firm. Do you see the transformation in Moses? Something happened here. You see, not only did he understand that God was God Almighty, now he understood what it meant that God was with him. There is a difference. You see, we are not alone. We are not orphans in this world. Some of us have an orphan spirit. We're walking through life like we've been rejected, like we've been abandoned, like we've been abused, cast off, that we are worthless, that we are worth nothing. You know, that orphan spirit is not from God. You understand? He calls you righteous, holy, a a people of a chosen generation. Amen? Kings and priests seated with him in heavenly places. That's how he sees you. So Moses, suddenly now he has his identity secure in himself. He starts to walk in his authority. Fear not! Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians, whom you have seen today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you while you hold your peace. The Lord is going to fight for you. Man, if ever this was a good pep rally, that was it. Right? I mean, you can imagine all the people in that congregation. You're Moses. Moses, you're the man. Woo! Come on, Moses. We believe in you. Right? And he's like, yeah, that's right. I got it going on. I got my authority down. You watch this. God's going to fight for you. It's going to be awesome. Right? You can get t-shirts later. Right? I mean, it's going to be great. I was, I was there at the Red Sea. Red Sea crossing gift stand over here. You would have been there taking a selfie. You would have been ta- People would have been taking selfies with Moses. Right? So, so, but then look at what the Lord says. Just when you think you got it nailed. Look at what the Lord says in verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me, Moses? Uh-oh. <laughs> He's probably thinking, what do you mean? Shh, shh. What do you mean, Lord? <laughs> Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. And for as for you, lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And then the children of Israel will go through on dry ground through the midst of the sea. In other words, he was saying to Moses, uh-uh, Moses. Remember, now it's your turn. Show and tell is over. You need to use the authority that I've given you. You stretch out your hand. You part the sea. You command those things that be not as though they are. Amen. We have authority on the inside of us as believers. But some of us are not using what we have because we don't know who we are. When we start to know who we are, when we start to confess who we are rather than how we feel, we'll start to walk in the authority that God has put on the inside of us. And we'll start to have a kingdom attitude. There was one more man I want to I want to real quickly look at in the Bible, and I'm not going to read it. It's in Genesis chapter 39. But this is the story of Joseph. Now, Joseph, he was a man. He says he was his dad's favorite. You are God's favorites. You understand that? He had the love and affection for his father, but other people around him were jealous. When you start to walk in the favor of God on your life, you'll have an opportunity to be discouraged because the people around you will start to see the favor of God on your life and they can start to get jealous. His brothers got jealous. They threw him in the pit and and faked his death, okay? Then they sold him into slavery. But you know, when you have the favor of God on your life, no matter what storms come against you, you are always going to rise to the top. 
Amen? You, you're always, you're like a cork in water. You can po- push that cork down, but you're going to pop right back up again. And so when Joseph was taken into slavery, he was standing on the auction block. And the Lord said he saw Joseph that he was a prosperous man. He's naked on an auction block. But God said he saw him as prosperous. Amen? Because you know what? God is not looking at your outward appearance. He's not looking at your circumstances now. He sees your potential. Amen? He sees the potential that he put in you in the person of Jesus. He sees the plans he has for your life. He sees the gifts and the talents and the callings that he's put on the inside of you. He knows what you are capable of with him. Amen? So he says he saw Joseph as a prosperous man. And when Joseph was brought, and he was brought into Potiphar's house, Potiphar was the ruler of the kingdom. He was the pharaoh, he was the, pharaoh, he was the ruler of the kingdom of Egypt. Okay, and, and he raised him. And even in, in, in his house, he started to be treated better than the other slaves because he had a good attitude. You see, this is really important. This kingdom attitude is so important. See, the kingdom of attitude, there's not a place for pity. There's not a place for, oh, poor little me. I've been such a victim. No, you know, if anyone had a reason to complain and get despondent, it was Joseph. He has been betrayed by his own family, sold into slavery. Some of you have been abandoned. You maybe have been sold into slavery, or for either in your mind or physically. But God says you are not a captive anymore. He did not, and even in the even in the midst of all those, he did not get a bad attitude. He kept a good attitude because he knew that God was with him. He knew that God saw him as a prosperous man. See, God in Joseph was greater than the circumstances around him. And so even though the Potiphar's wife accused him of things he didn't do, then he got thrown from the palace into the prison. Just when he thought life was getting better, he'd made it to the palace. This is about as good as he can get for a slave, right? He's thrown into the prison under false accusations. Lies had come against him. He finds himself in the prison, not for a short time. He was in there for years. But the whole way through, study this out in Genesis. It's a fascinating story. Joseph kept an attitude of the kingdom. He, he, he kept an attitude of the kingdom. He said, I, I know that my God is with me. I know that my God is with me. And because he had a kingdom attitude, he started to have favor even in the prison because the favor of God was operating in his life even in the midst of a trial. He started to have favor with the prison guards. The prison guards started giving him favor and authority. He started to take care. Joseph was taking care of the other prisoners. He says they knew that they were not sad. That the other prisoners, they weren't sad when Joseph was taking care of them. He noticed when they were upset. He started speaking into their lives. Even in the prison, he was ministering to them. He was ministering to them. And eventually, he gets his time to go before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh sees the favor of God in Joseph's life. And he starts to promote him. And he starts, and he, in the end, the end of Joseph's life is way more prosperous than the beginning. You see, for in one day, Joseph is taken from the prison to the palace. This is what the favor of God will do in your life. The favor of God will go before you, encircle you, and overtake you. Amen? Not because of what we've done, but because of everything that Jesus has done on the inside of us. The favor of God is in you, on you, and through you. But it starts with relationship. It starts with understanding what we have in Jesus. It starts with acknowledging every good and perfect gift that he has put on the inside of us. Amen? And, and, and taking the word of God and planting it in our hearts.